Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. We are in the midst of crazy times and uh, so glad to have all of you there in the building this evening. Uh, So glad to have um, all of you watching online on Facebook tonight. We do appreciate your uh, continued faithfulness and generosity tonight. God is a good and a faithful God. And uh, if you could do us a favor, maybe uh, right now you could, uh, if you're watching online, you could take a moment to just share uh, to your timeline, uh, share this with somebody that you know would enjoy um, the the service tonight. So I want to ask you to open up your Bible with me. We're going to look together into the book of Joshua and chapter 1. One of my most favorite scriptures in all the Bible. So Joshua chapter 1, we're going to look at tonight as we allow God to speak to us. I was uh, just pondering, you know, what kind of message that I should bring uh, to you this evening in a time of turmoil, in a time of difficulty, in a time of um, upheaval where we don't know exactly how all of this uh, is going to turn out with the election. We don't know exactly everything that's going to happen, and I believe God uh, has a word for us this evening, and I want to share that with you. Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read in just a few moments, verses 6 through 9. So, before we look at the word of God, I want to share with you a story of a couple of um, Englishmen who became very famous in the 1950s and still hold great uh, respect in our world today. The first is a man named Sir Edmund Hillary, and in 1953, he became the very first human being, or perhaps the very first Westerner uh, that we know of, to reach the summit of Mount Everest. 1953 is when he made it to the top of this grand mountain uh, in on the border of Nepal and India. The question that's interesting to think about, though, is why not before then? Why did it not happen in 1950 or in 1940 or in 1930 or in 1820? It wasn't until 1953 that we know of that this man reached the summit of the highest mountain in the world. Now, since that time there have been over 4,000 people who have done the same thing. Is it because somehow that before the year 1953 that it was just incapable for human beings and then after that they became capable? Is that what's going on here? Similarly, there's another Englishman named Sir Roger Bannister. Both of these men achieved knighthood uh, as a result of their Uh, feats in the world. 
And Sir Roger Bannister, if you are in the sports world, you may know that name. He became the first human being that we know of to run a mile in less than four minutes. Now, I'm not sure if I could run a mile in less than 40 minutes, but uh, here's Sir Roger Bannister, and he is the first man that we know of to be able to run a mile in under four minutes. This happened in the year 1954. Another interesting question to ponder, to think about. Why did it not happen before then? Why is it that, uh, that before 1954, this seemed to be an unattainable goal for even the best runners in the world? And why is it that after 1954, that many people have gone on to achieve this goal on a regular basis? Why is it that uh, now you probably shouldn't consider yourself a professional runner unless you can repeat the feat of Sir Roger Bannister. And something I learned from my rabbi, where this illustration comes from, something that is crucial for us all to understand tonight, is that the reason that these things happened, the reason that they did not happen before, but they happened plenty of times after, is not a physical limitation. In other words, there is nothing special about Sir Roger, Roger Bannister's body that was superhuman, that was different than every other human being that had come before. And it's not like after the year 1954 that the human body somehow evolved and made it possible for human beings to run faster and to be able to achieve this feat of a mile in under four minutes. The, the reason for this is not a physical reason, Rather, it is a spiritual reason. The reason that we have so many people who were able to achieve this, these goals after the fact that somebody did it first, it is a spiritual reason. Both Sir Edmund Hillary and Sir Roger Bannister, they did something that nobody else could have done before. They believed that they could do it. And so they did it. The thing that was different about them was not superhuman strength or that their bodies were, uh, you know, super mutants or, or you know, X-Men or, or uh, Avengers. No, it was simply the power of hope and optimism and their spiritual willpower to rise above what nobody else could have done before and to do these incredible things. And once they opened up that opportunity, then others were able to follow in their footsteps and repeat the incredible things that they had done. So tonight in the scripture we're going to read, we are going to discover the necessary things that God needs us to have if we're going to find the breakthrough that we want to see. And I want to preach out of Joshua chapter 1, a familiar scripture, as God's people are entering into their promised land. Now remember the context, Moses. Under Moses, God has delivered his people out of 400 years of bondage. And then they come out of Egypt and they, uh, they, they lack faith. They, uh, they order the spies 
into the promised land and the people are discouraged. And then for 40 years, they're wandering in the desert. And God uh, caused this to happen so that the generation that came out of Egypt uh, would die in the desert. And now, 40 years later, here's Joshua, who's one of the only ones left, one of the elder generation, who remembers what it was like to be in bondage. Now he's leading the people, this new generation that has risen up, and now they're going into a new dimension, a new place where God is bringing them. And this is the message that God speaks to Joshua as they embark on this journey where no one has gone before. Listen to these words, and I pray that you'll be encouraged tonight. Joshua 1, Joshua 1 verse 6, where it says, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What an incredible message from the Word of God tonight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for all of the wonderful people that are uh, gathered virtually and in the building in the house of God tonight. I'm praying, Lord, that you would speak to us and encourage us. Help us, God, to live for you, to be strong and of good courage, knowing, God, that you are a God who does not ab abandon you have not for forgotten, you have not forsaken. You are a God who is present, and therefore we can take heart tonight. We give you glory for all that you're going to do, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, once again, we thank you for being a part of this. If you would uh, take this opportunity now, if you have not done so already, you're watching on your live stream uh, on Facebook there, maybe you could share this, and let's get the word out. I believe God wants to speak to somebody here tonight. So I want to talk to you about uh, the reasonable optimism. That's the name of my message tonight, reasonable optimism. And I'm coming to you tonight on this day after an election where, hmm, we have some reasons to be concerned, don't we? We have some reasons to, uh, to be um, apprehensive about the future, not only of our nation, but of our communities, of our families, our homes, our health. There are many reasons. And, you know, the more you look at life, the more you'll discover that <laughs> there's a lot of reasons to be afraid. There's a lot of reasons to be concerned in this life. We are still, obviously, I'm here stuck in my house as a result of a pandemic. Uh, this is a real thing, a real issue that we are having to deal with in our generation. There are politics to worry about. No matter which side of the aisle you claim, uh, there are reasons to be concerned. There's reasons to be concerned for our nation, for our government, uh, for, our, uh, for our cultural norms, for the things, we're, we're, we, for our family, for our marriage. There's a lot of reasons 
for us to be concerned and stressed out. And for some people, to live in a time like this is overwhelming. 2020 has perhaps been the worst year uh, in my lifetime. To, you know, just to, to go through the things that we've gone through. Uh, deaths in the family. Uh, the pandemic. The, uh, the stretching of our lives. And I, something I said early on this year was that if, if it can be shaken, it will be shaken. This is a year that God is shaking us. And in the midst of that, you know, it's very easy to allow your faith and allow your heart to be, uh, to be troubled. But I want to talk to you tonight about the case for optimism, why it is something that should be reasonable to us. It is a good idea to hear what the Word of God says about these things. Let me define what I mean when I'm talking about optimism tonight and having um, a favorable disposition. Optimism means a tendency to look more on the favorable side of events or conditions and to expect a favorable outcome. It is a doctrine that the existing world is the best of all possible worlds. Now that's kind of mind-blowing to us because it seems easy for us to imagine other possible worlds that in our mind would certainly be better. Uh, Optimism is a belief that goodness pervades reality. But the most important definition tonight is the belief that good ultimately predominates over evil in the world. See, what I'm not talking about tonight, I am not talking about some pie in the sky. It's funny, I just saw that yesterday that they, uh, that states across the land, that they were uh, bringing um, uh, legalization to, uh, to many drugs and paraphernalia across the nation. There's, uh, I think there was a list of eight or nine states that uh, legalized marijuana and even in Oregon, uh, uh, magic mushrooms and they're, they're decreasing the, uh, the statutes and the punishments for being caught with these kinds of drugs. So there's a lot of people <laughs> that would say, oh, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. When you talk about optimism, you're talking about a high you're talking about some chemical uh, dependency of escapism, but that's not what I'm talking about here tonight. When we're talking about optimism, we are not talking about some false sense of positivity. What we're really talking about tonight is faith. Faith means we are expecting a future good. We are expecting something good. This is... A basic definition of faith. And even if things don't feel good, even if things are not enjoyable to us, faith says something good is coming out of this. Faith says I might not be enjoying this, but I believe that God is in control. See, faith and optimism are related. They are twin sisters. In our character, you know, it's easy for us to to look at ourselves and and see all of the mistakes and the flaws in our character, and to think, oh God, there's no hope for me. Oh, it's it's too terrible, uh, Pastor. You don't understand how wicked I am, how far gone I am. There's no hope for me. Look, in character, in God's development for us, you've got to have some faith. 
some optimism for the future. See, if you cannot see what God is doing, you'll give up. And there's many people who got stuck in their character development. There's many people who didn't see, who can't see the hope of getting any better. And so they give up trying. In finances, uh, Dave's talking about the Financial Peace University. And, uh, you know, it's easy. Uh, it might be, for, uh, might be for some people easy to uh, be drowning in so much debt that, you know, you just give up trying. Uh, why should I even try to have a budget? Or why should I even try to, you know, limit my spending and, and, uh, and these various things? Uh, it's just too far gone. But what faith says is, it doesn't matter how deep I've dug the hole, I can, st- I can stop digging. And I can make changes today which will benefit me, maybe not today or tomorrow or in a year from now, but in 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road. In your marriage, sometimes it can be discouraging uh, to be... Uh, having fights and and disagreements over children and and uh and finances of course always a source of stress and it's easy for us to get pessimistic about those things and and think that it's just never going to get better but i tell you we have a reason tonight to expect better things this is really a mark of christian character it's not fantasy It's not a living in la-la land. It's not magic mushrooms. It's not drugs or alcohol. This optimism is an aspect of our faith. It's a reality in our relationship with God. And this is how people, this is how we can become stronger in our faith. See, strength and courage are produced by optimism, aren't they? You're never going to be strong and courageous as God uh, commanded Joshua to be. He said, I want you, Joshua, you have to be strong. You have to have courage. How can he have that? It's not going to be possible unless you are optimistic about the future. See, if Joshua had in his mind that they're going to go into that first city of Jericho and they're all going to get slaughtered, is he going to have any strength or courage? No, he has to have optimism first. He has to expect that something good is going to come in the next few days. If they would have believed that they were going to lose the battle, then they would not be strong. They would not have courage. The same is true about you and I tonight. That if we want to be strong in our faith, if we want to be courageous in our heart for God, then we must, we must have a hopeful expectation of what is happening in the future. We have to believe that God is a God of character, that he is putting us in situations for our good, for a good purpose and for a good outcome. Let me ask you, do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that God is big enough that even through disappointments, even through failures and setbacks, that God is still doing something good. He is still working together his perfect plan and his perfect ways that are higher than our ways. He is doing something. It can be hard in a season like we are in now, in 2020, to look around us and say, what good could possibly come from this, right? However, my faith is in God, that he is a good 
God. And if he is a good God, then we can trust him that he is doing good things and that eventually it's going to turn out good for us. So let's talk secondly about developing optimism. Every one of us, as I mentioned tonight, we are facing challenging situations that can cause us to lose the victory. It can cause us to be vexed. You know, if you watch the news, if you listen to enough podcasts or talk radio, if you listen to it enough, you'll find plenty of reasons to get vexed, to get annoyed, to get a headache, to lose sleep, to get stressed out, to lose an appetite. Uh, thankfully, I haven't lost my appetite. But see, this is these situations that we face can cause us to truly, our, our, even our physical health can suffer as a result. And what I want to say tonight is that uh, those men that I spoke about in the beginning, uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, see, he would not have had even the idea or the energy to, uh, to climb Mount Everest if he was not optimistic. And I want to share with you this evening that this is something you can develop. You don't have to remain the same here. You can develop a heart of optimism this evening. So this is not just this is not just a good suggestion that God gave. This is not just uh, uh, something that God says. You know, uh, this might be a good idea if you think about you know becoming strong and courageous. No, this is a commandment, isn't it? Verse six. God said to Joshua, "Be strong and of good courage." Be strong. I want you to be strong. Can you hear that tonight? Listen, God doesn't need a bunch of milk toast weaklings following him around. God is looking for warriors. God is looking for soldiers. God is looking for people who will stand in the face of adversity. Look at verse 9 of our scripture. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Does that sound like a suggestion to you? That sounds like a commandment to me. God is commanding us, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. See, uh, what would you you think God uh, wants out of us? Does he want us to, uh, to be sulking and pouting and getting a bad attitude and Walking around like Eeyore, oh, bother. You know, God can use anything, obviously. God can use everyone. But, you know, it's a lot easier for God to use us if we'd have a right heart, if we would be optimistic and courageous. So how can we, de- how can we follow God's commandment? How can we develop this in our life? Well, our scripture gives us some clues here this evening. Number one, verse uh, eight of our scripture says this, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. I've got my book of the law right here. One of my books of the law. This has turned into one of my favorites here. Um, And uh, it's a a New King James study Bible. It's got uh, some flowers all over it, but... uh, Despite the, the, the feminine appearance, uh, this book of the law has been really encouraging to me. I tell you, uh, you can't read this book without gaining some strength and some courage. You're not going to be able to uh, be a student of this book of the law 
without gaining courage. Listen, these stories, these examples have been given to us. These words, this revelation has been given to us so that we can have hopeful expectation for tomorrow. Can I tell you, there's there's no situation that you are going through right now that somebody in the Word of God has not already gone through, right? Whatever it is you're facing tonight, whether you're facing uh, uh, whether you're facing financial trouble, whether you're facing an attack from some enemy, whether you're uh, you're having depression, anxiety, fear. Listen, God has already given us somebody to look to in His Word that's already been through it. That's already learned the lessons. It's just a matter of, will you pick it up and take a look? Did you hear what it said there in verse 8? The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Say the word mouth. It's not enough just to look at the words and let them go into your brain. Now that's helpful. That's reading. You know, we like to read. But the book of the law is not just meant to be read. It is meant to to be spoken. The word of God has power when it is spoken. This is why it's such a blessing to be a preacher. This is why I highly recommend, young men, you ought to pursue a calling of preaching the gospel. That is a call on your life. You know why it's good to preach the gospel? Because you will speak the word of God. That has been a blessing to my life over and over again. Not only that, but uh, not just in your mouth, but you shall meditate. Everybody say the word meditate. To meditate means to study, to, uh, to allow the word of God to soak into our minds. How often? You shall meditate in it day and night, verse 8 says. This is God's idea. If you want to be strong, if you want to have courage... If you want to be optimistic about the future, you better get into this book and be serious about studying it, about reading it, about speaking it, and and uh, and and being a student of the Word of God. Let me just throw this in here tonight. Uh, Dave mentioned uh, tomorrow night for the Financial Peace University. Uh, so much of that class is biblical principles. That's why it's so effective in people's lives. I also want to give out a um, uh, a quick reminder that Friday night we will be continuing in our new believers and new members class. If you want uh, to be part of that, it's going to be a Zoom meeting on Friday night at 7 p.m. So would really encourage you to be a part of that. But the reason we do that is to study the Word of God. It is the milk of uh, of uh, you know that causes us to grow, just like a baby. Uh, when it's first born, it desires the pure milk. Listen, the word of God is the milk that is going to sustain us and strengthen us and cause us to be strong. The word of God goes on in our scripture and says in verse 8, and it's not just uh, about being a person of the book, but also to be observant, or in other words, obedient. Look again at verse 8. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. (laughs) So here's a mistake that some people will make. Pastor, I'm a student of the Word. I have a daily Bible reading program. I read and I meditate, and even I speak the Word of God to others. But did you know that's still not enough? The next step to take is to do what you have read. To be observant, to be obedient. 
Uh, there are people who know far more than you or I will ever know about the Bible. There are students and universities and professors. But the problem is it's not enough to know it. It's not enough to speak it. It's not enough to read it and study it. You have to do it. If all you've done is learned what's in the book and you haven't obeyed, then you have fallen short, my friend. You have to observe, to do according to all that is written in it. Jesus, when he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, this incredible message that is in Matthew chapters 5 and 6 and 7, and uh, he is uh, speaking profound truths that are still with us to the day, to this day. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who mourn. He's uh, turned the other cheek. You know, all of these amazing things that he taught in this Sermon on the Mount. But at the end, what's amazing to me is he identifies two groups of people who were there that day. He said, one group of people, you've heard my words and you're going to go do them. You are going to observe, you're going to obey the things that I've said to you. And he says, the person who does that is like the man who builds his house upon the rock. And when the winds blow and when the waves beat against that house, it will stand because it is on the rock. He says, a second group of people are those who have heard the words, but do not obey them. And those people, we know who they are. They are the ones who build their houses on the sand. And when the wind blows and when the waves beat against that house, guess what? It doesn't stand. It falls. What was the difference between those two people? They were both sitting there that day. They were both listening to the words of Jesus. They were both uh, 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 listening to his words and studying the, 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 what he was saying and absorbing the things that he said. But the difference was one of them did what he said. The other one did not. Which one are you? Which group are you in? Are you going to uh, get to the end of this message and say, Pastor, great message, Pastor. Man, God spoke to me. And then you, you uh, wake up tomorrow morning and don't do anything? Your house is built on sand, and it will wash away when the storms of life come, when the difficulties. See, that's when it's revealed. The true obedience is, is evident when the storms of life begin to hit. It's when these 2020 seasons... It's in these difficult moments that we find out who's really of the faith, who is really observant, and who is simply along for the ride. Verse 6 says this, For to this people uh, you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. In other words, he says, remember. Remember where you're going. Remember, this is a land of inheritance that I have sworn to you. It's for the Lord your God. Verse 9, remember who you're serving. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the reason why Jacob, excuse me, where Joshua can be confident. This is the reason. Not because Joshua is some superhuman, but because God is going to be with him wherever he goes. Verse 9, again, God said, The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jesus said to his disciples, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you will realize that God is in you through his Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. See, what can stand against us, right? If, if he is for us, then who can stand against us? And that is the reason why 
we don't have to fear the future. We don't have to. Uh, we don't have to be uh, fearful or trembling about what's going to happen tomorrow. We. Don't, I don't. You know, I'm not on the edge of my seat. Uh, waiting for Donald Trump to be reelected or for Joe Biden to become the president. Listen, uh, whoever the president president is in one week or in one month from now, can I tell you, Jesus is still the king. He is still my savior. He is still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And no one can take away that throne. No one can take away his crown. My trust is in him. And we're going to be just fine. We can still be strong and courageous. Yeah, as the world around us, it's possible that it might change. There might be different things to deal with. But I'm telling you, uh, Jesus is still alive. He is still risen from the dead. And we still have power in the Holy Ghost tonight. I believe God's trying to encourage somebody this evening. A fourth thing that we can do as we begin to close this service is gratitude. Gratitude. Thankfulness is the is one thing that can boost your optimism more quickly than anything else. Simply stopping, and this should be part of your regular prayer life, is to stop and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the blessings that you've put in my life. You know, we're approaching um, my favorite holiday of the year, which is Thanksgiving. It is an amazing holiday. It is an amazing time to express our gratitude for the blessings that God has put in our lives. But I want to tell you, Thanksgiving is not just an amazing holiday filled with turkey and gravy and stuffing and mashed potatoes. Thanksgiving can be a way of life. And the most optimistic people in the whole world are those who cannot stop saying thank you. Thank you. Can I tell you something that, you know, there there are times that, you know, we we need help from other people and yes, there's a there's a time and a place for that. There's a time to receive charity when you are desperately in need. But let me tell you something about being on the receiving end of charity. It will cause you to be depressed. Being on welfare does not give you optimism. Getting a, a handout from the government does not make you a more grateful or optimistic human being. In fact, it tends to make us feel empty and worthless whenever you get something for nothing. Whenever you take advantage of the system, and I'm, I'm not saying that there are people, you know, there, there are certainly people who need help. There's a time of need. Yes, we help people in their time of need when, when there's no other options. But I'm telling you, for those who spend their lives looking for a handout, it will leave you feeling empty and worthless. Listen to Psalm 50, verse 14, where it says, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. There is a connection here tonight between the spirit of gratitude and generosity, optimism, and looking forward to good things in the future. This ought to be a discipline that you and I have in our lives. Psalm 95 verse 2 says, Let us come before His presence with, what? Thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. Uh, Dave saying this song tonight is as we began the service in our song service in Psalm 100, where it says, Enter into His gates with, what? Thanksgiving. And enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Do you know what happens when you express gratitude to people? 
I'm telling you, it's a no-lose activity. It's like taking a flame uh, from, your, from one candle and lighting up another candle. You know that nothing is lost in that transaction. That both candles continue to burn brightly. And when you go to somebody, no matter who it is, you can go to your wife, you can go to your boss, you can go to a coworker, a neighbor, friend, and you say, wow, thank you. Thank you for being a blessing in my life. You know what happens? You'll light up because it feels good to express gratitude to somebody. And, the, and that person that you are thanking, they will also light up with, the, uh, with the, a spirit of great generosity. It produces optimism and, and courage and strength for the future. This is a discipline that you have to get into the habit of giving in your life. You've got to start every day saying in your prayers, thank you, God. But don't let it stop there because the more gratitude you express, the more strength and courage you will have in your life. Let's close tonight. God wants you to be optimistic. God wants you to have a positive outlook on the future. That, again, that is not based in fantasy. That is not based in ignoring the problems and the issues and the setbacks and the failures that we have in life. No, it acknowledges all of those things and says, and yet, at the end of 2020, God is still good. And he is still doing good things. Listen to Mark 9, 23. Jesus said, if you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. Mark eleven twenty three. I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Luke seventeen six. The Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the tree, to be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I come to you tonight with this message. If you want to have strength, if you want to have courage, you want to make it to the next level of your Christianity, whatever that looks like for you. You want to enter into the promised land that God has set aside for you. It's going to be when you begin to exercise your faith through optimism, through having the strength and the courage to step forward into a place of new beginnings. Again, remember those men before that time, 1953, no one that we know of on record had ever gone to the top of Mount Everest. They said it's too hard. There's not enough oxygen. There's not enough uh, supplies. You'll freeze to death. And yet when Sir Edmund Hillary, he took on that challenge and he scaled that mountain. And since then, thousands of people have followed in his footsteps. He proved to the world that it was possible. Let me tell you something. The things that you're going through are not impossible. God wants you to be strong, to face those things with courage and with strength. Don't let pessimism rule your life. Don't moan and whine. Don't complain. Don't uh, expect everyone to carry you around. Don't be a fatalist or an alarmist. The world belongs to the optimist, to the strong, and to the courageous. Let that be you tonight. 
No matter what we're facing, no matter what's, bring, what's coming around the corner, and obviously life presents to us very challenging circumstances and situations, but I, I encourage you tonight, obey the commandment of God to be strong and courageous. Let's bow our heads. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.